Welcome to the Kingsley Grant Show, the podcast dedicated to helping you become the leader everyone loves and wants to follow. Kingsley believes his leadership paradigm, emotelligence, the art of succeeding where others failed, is the key to achieving this status. On this show, Kingsley guides you through the uncharted waters of emotional intelligence and leadership essentials, with the guarantee that upon exit, you will become more skilled in relationship management, decision-making, and job performance. Now here's your host, your coach, and your Sherpa, Kingsley Grant. Here we go, here we go, here we go. This is your boy, Kingsley Grant, sitting behind the Jamaican microphone, bringing you yet another show. And it is from the show that's been voted number three on the top 15 podcasts on emotional intelligence by Spot, And so I am excited that you are listening to one of the top shows right now. And I'm in the command center of the Emotelligent Leadership Institute, where I'm going to dig into the vault and get today's show so that what you've come for, you will have. So let me reach in right here and get today's show. There it is. I got it. I got it. And put it down right here. And now we can dive into today's show. And today we are going to talk about people skills, right? So the seven people skills leaders should start working on today that will energize their people and boost productivity, performance, engagement, motivation, and you name it. You're almost thinking that Kingsley, it sounds like those people's skills are like the be-all, do-all. Well, you will see when we get into that whether or not it is. But one thing I can assure you is that if you as a leader should implement these seven skills that I will share with you, I believe there's no question in my mind you will see changes beginning to occur. Now, these might, when I mention them, they might sound like a lot of work in one instance for some people, maybe for you, or it may sound like, okay, I, I'm, I'm good at that. Well, I, I want you to listen carefully and and. As I kind of expand on each thought, I would like for you to basically have a very unbiased approach, if you can, and be objective. Because what happened is, what I'm hearing and seeing through my engagement with leaders, speaking, coaching sometimes, but mainly when I interact with leaders or hear from leaders or let's go to where it matters most, when I hear from those people that are being led, I'm telling you, leaders are missing out on an opportunity. And some leaders are maybe oblivious to what's going on. They, they just choose to think that, you know, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. I really don't need anybody telling me what to do. I'm a leader. Don't you see my badge? Don't you see my name tag? Don't you see it across my forehead? Don't you see my blazer? Don't you see, you know, and, and they have it all imprinted everywhere on their door, on their car, on their 
you know, uh, you, you name it. <laughs> That's the kind of leader who wants to make sure you understand that I am the leader. And don't you forget it, right? But I, I, I know that's not you. That is not you because you would not be here. So I don't have to even spend more time on that to try to convince or speak to the choir because you're here basically because you're interested. I believe that business leaders or business owners basically want to make sure or should make sure that the kind of leaders he or she have in their uh, in their organization, in their company, are leaders who are high, as you may have heard me say many times, on emotional intelligence. But their people skills have to be also very, very um, high as well. They they've got to be able to engage people, motivate people, inspire people, and it doesn't come through by just being, hey, I tell you to be, right? It doesn't come through coercion. It doesn't come through a, a policy that's written down somewhere. It doesn't come through a rah-rah, we are this, we are... No. People are going to have to be be sold and have a buy-in. And this comes through the people's skills. Is how you truly engage them by being a, a master so to speak, at people's skills. You know, in my book, The Immortaligent Leader, Succeed Where Others Failed, which is available on Amazon, I kind of lay, laid out a, a, a lay out a framework where I believe leaders who would follow that would truly see themselves as a book entitles. The book's subtitle is Succeed Where Others Failed and Become the Leader Everyone Loves and Wants to Follow. I believe that is because that leader, the immortaligent leader, as I describe, is high, not just in emotional intelligence, but also people's skills. You know, I was telling someone recently about, they were asking me about the book and the concept behind immortaligence, which is the word that I have kind of, um, I've crafted that word. And I was explaining that what happened is there are books out there on leadership. There are a number of things on leadership. Also, there are Basically, there's a lot of books coming out on emotional intelligence. And what happened is that they're almost like exclusively around that particular topic, right? It's either leadership or it's emotional intelligence. So I told this person that what my idea, my, my book, but also the concept from which I am coming, I'm kind of making known is that why have them exclusively around their own topic. Why not find a way to include and make it inclusive? So the my book and my idea of leadership where I talk about redefining leadership, you may have heard me say that before if you've been following me, that to redefine leadership is to say, let's let's kind of bring them together. Let's bring them together. You know, and, and I find when leaders are able to do that, it is amazing what, to see what happens. I, I'm beginning to see and hear it's trickling in right now because it's in the early stages that what leaders are, are experiencing who are willing to at least experiment or, or, or step out there and do something different about leadership. And so I believe intelligence is the way to go. So what are the seven people skills leaders should start working on today? 
what is that leadership skill I believe that you as a business owner want to make sure and look out for in your company if your leaders are doing that? How are you hearing what your leaders are doing? How do you know what they're doing? How are you gauging? Is there some kind of metrics you're using? If you are using a metrics like, for example, numbers and um, profit, or I'm sorry, let's put productivity, right? Which is a very important metrics. And I, uh, that's the bottom line, right? While you're in business and while you as, as a leader is trying to help the business owner to accomplish certain things. I get it, right? But, but here's what happened, though. This, there's a part of this equation that is hard to measure, and that is the people engagement. And if people are not engaged, I don't care what your metrics objectives are, you're not going to see that happen because it doesn't happen without the resources that you're dependent on, right? You can have automation. You can have, you know, as a just a, a side note here, I'm having a, a future episode that's coming out, and you're going to hear me in, interview uh, an expert who really is talking about automation in the workplace and what that is going to do uh, for for leadership, and you know whether it's uh, the artificial intelligence or the um, robotics, you know, processing automation that most places, many places have right now, and just a concern about what that looks like and how leadership may want to prepare their people. Or, ha- or is preparing their people or walking their people through all this process, right? It's a whole different, you'll hear that podcast when it comes out. But I mentioned that because what happened is you can have those things and those things can crank out the product and the, the bottom line, the metrics you're looking for. But if it's not creating the kind of relationship you need with the people you're trying to sell your products to, I don't care how much you put out. You've got to have the right people in place to make what is ready to go happen, right? So these are the people's skills that would ensure or help you to get that because engagement, motivation, inspiration are three key elements of energizing the workplace. And energized people who are have a buy-in, have a reason to want to be there, want to see you succeed, it's only going to come based upon your people's skills, right? Well, I mentioned, you know, you know, of course, emotional intelligence is, uh, that's the, the core, but then your people's skills become the thing that will be be shown, it will be dem- on display, it will be demonstrated, right? So let's go into the seven. Now, the order I'm having them in, it could go in any order, so it's not like, Anyone is more important than the other. But I believe that you can start with this today. And the first thing is communicate from the heart or with the heart. Now, what do I mean by that? I believe there's got to be a sense of compassion and empathy that the heart has in delivering certain things. It's got to be a way that to deliver it in a manner where someone can receive what's been communicated. Many leaders today are failing because they are not communicating clearly. And it's not about an accent, right? Because I have an accent. And what I try to do, as you may know or realize, 
I'm trying my best to communicate where you can hear me, even though I have an accent. But I'm not talking about that because it, it doesn't come down to that. Does accent play a part? Yes, because we want to make sure we are hearing what's being said. So if you have an accent, you're going to do your part to try best as possible to to slow down and try to enunciate your words as best as possible. And, you know, I know I'm one who raised my hand that that's my one of my issues. So, but communication from the heart overrides accent because people hear your heart. They hear the sincerity. They hear the, the genuineness of your heart. That speaks louder than even the words that you're sharing. You know, I uh, remember one time I was out with a group of, of people, was young people at the time when I was leading in a church setting and I was overseeing all the youth and their parents. So, you know, I was a youth director. And I remember I brought a, a team of, of young people to another town. So where I'm situated is in South Florida, the United States, in Miami. And so where I brought them was about four hours away to another city. And it was Orlando, where, of course, the Magic Kingdom is. We didn't go there. That was not our goal. We went to another event. One of our, our one person in our group, you know, and of course, imagine it's a teenager, a girl. She went and did shoplifting in a store while we were away. And what happened was, you know, I gave them some free time to go in the mall and just kind of walk around and just, you know, they need some, some space, right? So I just trusted them. And the next thing I know, the police is, our security and police is saying, I need to come to the mall to um, pick up my, my teenager who actually was in our team. And now the word is getting around that she was shoplifting. And, you know, I, I'm thinking, oh, my word, what's going on? Why? And, I'm, you know, all these the, the thoughts is going to my head. What should I do? And all of that. So I went, picked her up and came back. And we had to sit as a, sit as a group and talk through what has happened. Now, I had to try my best to find a way to... You know, she already have been embarrassed because her friends are now looking at her to her as a thief, right? She's shoplifted. And I'm thinking, I don't want to add insult to the injury. How can I find a way to communicate, not condone, but to communicate to the rest of the group that she made a, a mistake, a very bad mistake. It was intentional, right? So it's not like a mistake. It was a very intentional thing she did. I had to address that. I could not let it go. And I could not just say, you know, we all make mistakes, and which we do. But it was a very, you know, a pretty bad mistake she made. And so what happened was I addressed, I brought everybody together and I addressed them and started sharing about what happened and, you know, had her, I had her with me standing facing the group of other teenagers, which was about... I think 20 plus teenagers that were there. And so, as you can imagine, it was a very solemn moment. What would you do if that was you? You were the leader and you had to now address this to your team. What would you say? How would you approach this? I don't know. You know, I would love to hear if you want to engage me and and just tell me, you know, that this is what I would do. But I'm going to tell you what I did. Now, 
I, I said to the kids, this, this was happened, and this person did this, and it's wrong. And I had her admit that it was a wrong thing she did. And also, I, I had her, I prepared her ahead of time that I'm, I'm going to ask her to ask the group to forgive her because they, they, she kind of threw a, a, a cold blanket, so to speak, right? So metaphorically speaking, on the group, a damper. It's almost like, you know, how do you handle this? You know, how do you walk this? What do you say? Do you look her in the eye? All that stuff. You know, she just wanted to die. She wanted to just go home and just be and disappear, right? That's what she wanted to do. But I said, no, we're going to take this as a learning opportunity. So what happened was I shared with them. She apologized. She asked them to forgive her. And, of course, we're from a faith-based organization, so forgiveness is something we teach, which is great for the workplace, as a matter of fact. In my book, I talk about not, you know, don't get me wrong, my book is not you know, a book that is, you know, geared towards people of faith. Yes, it would be very helpful for people of faith, as it is for anybody. So, but I believe people of faith or not, forgiveness is a very powerful thing that ought to be practiced. It sets you free, right? So I asked the teens to forgive her. They did. They embraced her and she's crying. She's crying. And I'm crying because I feel it for her as if she was my own child. And, and so I was communicating from my heart, appealing to them, to their sensibilities to say, hey, listen, it could be any one of you. It could be me. And, and so if that was you, what would you want to do? Them to do, the rest of people to do. And so anyway, long story short, they came, they hugged her. We all came together. We prayed and all of different things. And so what, what happened though, and the kids who were there, who are adults now, will tell you, they may not remember all that I said, but one thing they will tell you they remembered was my heart communication. They felt it. It was the passion. I looked them in the eyes and appealed to them. And that's what I believe leaders ought to do is to communicate in a way where people hear the genuineness, the, the heartfelt way of you sharing some things. And bearing that, because they hear your heart. It's very evident to them that you are not just separating yourself from what's happening. No, you are kind of you kind of throwing yourself in it with them. That's the first thing. I know I took a long time on this one because I believe it's so important, and I hope you also believe that as well, having heard me share that story. Number two, give timely feedback. Give timely feedback. Again, going back to the story I shared, I did not wait for a week to pass. I gave a feedback, not just to the girl, but to everyone at the same time. But I did it in a way where she was not thrown under the bus. I did it in a way where she heard the feedback. She got the feedback. Others around heard and saw that and they could have left that moment thinking, you know, I'm not going to intentionally do something wrong. But if I did, I might be also treated that way as well. But some people will wait. You know, I, I did an episode. I hope you listened to that one about this idea of um, in, the biz, in the workplace where HR and others, mainly HR managers will be asked to do or, or supervisors or managers 
will be asked to do a, a review on a, a, a worker. And, and sometimes it's a year. I mean, imagine all that has happened in a year and is once a year feedback. That's what a review is. And then when they're given the feedback, they're surprised about certain things. They're like, they feel dejected. They feel like, you know, just like whatever the result is. Why not have an ongoing feedback where people are giving feedback as often as possible, as quickly as possible? So if there's any need to be made to changes to be made, they don't have to wait a whole year to make those changes. But it's not just a feedback, it's how the skill is how you give the feedback. In my book, I share in there about how to give um, effective feedback. Not just feedback, but effective feedback. So I could say here, give timely, effective feedback. Because not all your feedback is, feedbacks are effective. So how do you do that? That is a skill that you ought to develop, and that is to make sure that you don't wait until forever, so to speak, and I'm putting air quotes here, you can't see, but that's imagine I'm doing that. People, you know, you wait forever to do that. No, as quickly, as um, appropriately as possible, give the feedback. That's a skill that ought to be developed. Number three, active listening skills. Active listening skills. Now, whenever I mention active listening skills, whether I'm teaching on this or is a part of my presentation. Sometimes people will tell me, Kingsley, I'm a, I'm a good listener. And I will say, yeah, okay, but are you an active listener? They'll say, what do you mean? Yeah, of course I'm an active listener. I say, okay. And you know, I'm not going to try to, to you know, debate or try to make myself look like, you know, you don't know what that looks like. And, and make a, you know, I'm not going to try to in, in any way embarrass them. But what happened is active listening is not something most many people do. And some people think they're doing that, but they're not. But what is active listening? Active listening is to be is, and this is a very, you know, I mean, a quick cruncher kind of explanation. So it's condensed, right? So don't expect to hear this great lecture or you know, um, this great presentation or what you would call that idea when a person, you know, does do a research and do their their dissertation. Okay, it's not a dissertation here, so understand this. It simply says is when I listen to you, right? Number one, I gotta be engaged with my body language ought to be engaged, undivided. Number two, I should be able to tell you, give you a feedback in my own words, not verbatim, not like a parrot but how I understood what you're saying and make sure that you and I, when I leave that moment, we are on the same page. That is active listening in a nutshell. So number four, so that's number three. Number four, develop. And this is a very interesting one because I find some people will kind of maybe bark at this or um, just like skip over this one because they don't want to do it. But develop a sense of humor. Now, a sense of humor is like people say, I'm not, I'm not funny. I'm not asking a person to be funny when I say this. You know, I, I you may have heard me say three the three E's of leadership, right? That leaders ought to be number one, um, entert- no, I'm sorry, number one is um, imp- they ought to empower, they ought to educate, and they ought to entertain, right? The three E's of what leaders ought to do. Now, when I use the word entertain, they're thinking I'm asking them to be a comic, a comedian. And I'm saying, no, 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 no. That's not what I'm asking you to do. I'm simply saying for you to have a sense of humor, meaning that laugh with yourself, laugh at yourself. 
not at other people. Self-deprecating humor is the best humor of their ears. So make fun of some things. Make light of some things that you do. Because people will feel connected to you. You know, they're laughing and you're laughing with them at what it is. And as a leader, oh man, it's so great for them to say, wow, you know, look at my my boss or, you know, he or she is just cutting up and whatever the case might be. What it does, it, it, it truly disarm people and allow them to be more open and relaxed for information. So try to find a way to be humorous. And the best kind of humor is not to tell jokes. Yes, it's part of it. You could tell jokes and so on. But sometimes those jokes bomb and they're like, you know, just fall flat. But if you're telling a story about something that happened to you, you know, I tell a story sometimes and this is a very quick one. But I remember playing soccer years ago as a teenager. And I went to an all-boys school in Jamaica at the time. And then we had an all-girls school as a sister school. And what happened, the sister school had to come to our soccer games, right? Our football games. We call it football, but our soccer games. And I was on the team for the school, and we, we played against other schools, and we compete for the, 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 the National Cup. I remember playing one day, and I, was, I played on the, on the wing, right on the side, close to the sideline, where all the girls are on one side. And because I went to a boys' school, all the boys had to be on the other side during the game. After the game, everybody mingled and so on, but that was how the policy was in place. And they said, man, that's kind of, what, Kingsley? Where does that happen? Well, it happened back then in Jamaica. Uh, it's changed now, I'm sure, but it was how it was. And I remember playing, and I went for a tackle. And back then, we never we never had these kind of shorts, which is long and just baggy and, you know, uh, that kind of stuff. It was a, a, a shorter short, <laughs> if you know what I'm talking about. And I, you know, remember, remember going for the ball, and I split my shorts wide open, you know, at the bottom. So it was now like a mini skirt. And you can imagine like a mini skirt. It was kind of flown in the wind. And boy, all the air conditioning that was taking place down there, right? And my whole game changed. I was embarrassed because the girls were on there, were there, and I'm trying to impress them. No, I'm playing really to, to play a good game. But at the same time, in my head, I want to play a better game so I could impress them as well. That happened. I'm thinking, you know, one of my, my the sacred uh, script in the Bible says, you know, pride goes before a fall. And that was a pride moment for me. And I felt big time, literally fell. And, uh, you know, I, was, I wanted to get out of the game as fast as I could. And the coach was able to see what happened. I signaled him. He allowed me to come out and, do, you know, and, and rush to get changed. And I just want to bury my, my head in the sand, you know, I'll just not show my face, right? But um, you can imagine how teens are mean. So I was, I was a, a laughing stock. I, at that time, I, I wasn't, I didn't find it funny. But imagine me telling that story and laughing about that. You know, I can laugh after the fact, but I'm making fun of myself. That story, if I told that in a speech, in a talk, or in a uh, as a leader, and become vulnerable and sharing that story and laugh at myself. Right, I'm going to evoke, I'm going to draw the emotion of my people and they're going to enter my story and enter my space and feel what I feel, connect with me. And so that sense of humor approach, laughing at myself, allow them to laugh with me and they also will be a part of that. And they who 
can also, who is to tell, do the very same thing. So I create a culture where there's a lightness as well to our workspace, right? So a sense of humor is essential for you to energize your people. Number five, coaching and mentoring skills. You know, in my book, I talk about, the ch- there's a chapter in my book that says leadership is mentorship. And in that chapter, I speak about how to mentor and how to make sure you lead people through coaching and taking the time and the patience to develop them. Some people think this is a lot of work, which it is, and they don't want to put that work in. They just want to kind of, you know, be the boss and leverage their position and their title, but they don't want to necessarily get their hands dirty, so to speak, which coaching and mentoring will 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 call for. And so I talk about the different four quadrants of, of mentor mentorship and what that looks like. You know, recently I was giving a talk to a group of um, business owners at a chamber of commerce meeting. And what I mentioned there about the fact of mentoring, and I said, you know, some people see this as, what if I take all my time and develop someone and mentor and coach them and pour into them, and then they leave the organization? And so I had a, a, a quote or a graphic up on the screen and I showed that very first part that said how, you know, people who are bosses or managers will say that. But CEOs will say, what if you don't mentor or coach them and they stay? Imagine that. Which would be worse? And so the idea of mentorship and coaching is something that leaders will do to develop their people. And that will energize because you're, you're kind of rolling your sleeves up and getting down with them. They feel like you're a part of them. Now, I know some, if you're, you know, I don't expect you to do this with everybody, obviously. But those you're pouring yourself in and you're developing and allowing them to develop others as well, you want to make sure that you're mentoring and coaching them. So the first five, and I'm going to mention the last two real quickly. Number one, communicate from the heart or with the heart. Number two, give timely, effective feedback. Number three, active listening skills. Number four, develop a sense of humor. Number five, coaching and and mentoring skills. Number six, negotiating skills. Negotiating skills. That's where we're at right now. Now, this takes time and it takes a certain skill set because it's going to require, number one, the communication part is also going to, also going to require active listening skills, right? But negotiate, negotiating is simply saying, how can we get an outcome that is satisfactory for all those involved? How can we negotiate something that works for, for both parties, right? There's always, of course, more than one person in a negotiating, negotiation um, setting, right? But that skill requires very, very acute listening skill, and active listening skills because you want to hear what's being said and you want to also be able to counter and go back and forth. You know, I, I see it almost like a, a tennis match. I hit the ball over the net and I put it in your court. And I'm saying to you, this is what I want to offer. This is what I can do. This is my best shot right now. And you're saying, okay, I'm going to accept that as your best shot. But I may have also a shot of mine that I want to propose and see if you can handle that. So I will hit the ball back with that 
And so that back and forth idea, imagine you're going down a, a stairway and you're spiraling back and forth all the way down until you get to a certain staircase, stairway, you know, a step on the, on the stairway where you feel like, you know, we both are okay here. We are balanced. We're seeing things on the same, from the same height. We can go with this. That's negotiation to a spot where you both now can walk away feeling that you have basically it's a win-win outcome, so to speak, even though it's not about winning, but it's about getting an outcome that is satisfactory for all the parties involved. And number seven, this is, this is a very, very important one. They're all important, but this is key to retention. This is a key for motivation. This is a key for more of what it is you're looking for from your people. And that is the art of praising. That's a skill, praising, getting into the habit of acknowledging your people's um, performance, what they're bringing to the table, valuing them, praising them publicly, right? In my book, I talk about this, what leaders ought to do when it comes to praise. You do it publicly. So I say you reprimand privately and praise publicly. That way people can see and hear their praise. They won't see and hear their reprimand because you want to help someone to learn and gain from even a reprimand, right? But you want people to be acknowledged publicly because it, it, it's one of those psychological, psychological things, right? It just kind of scratch your ego and, and pump them up. And that's wonderful. That's wonderful. So you can get more of that. So the art of praising is a very valuable skill and you can start right now. You can start right now. Some of these you have to develop over time. But I believe that communication from the heart or with the heart, giving timely feedback, active listening skills, right? Um, the art of praising, those, are, those you can do right now. You can start tomorrow if today you're listening to the podcast and you know you, and say, hey, okay, I've heard this today. Well, start tomorrow. You can start that and just notice what difference it makes. I guarantee it will make a difference for you and and see how it energizes your people and breathe a new life, so to speak, into your uh, people's, uh, their overall well-being, performance, which of course leads to productivity and more profit and everybody feels good about themselves and the workplace. Isn't that what you want? Isn't that what you're... Maybe you're the owner of the company once that you are a leader in, or if you're the, the leader, isn't that what you want? I believe that's what you want. And I believe you're, you're, I believe you're here because you wanted to hear this episode. So I want to say thank you. Thank you for being a part of this, this um, community, listening to, listening to this podcast, because it's your listening that has allowed this podcast to be voted on to be one of the top 15 podcasts on emotional intelligence, but also it's a number three podcast based upon the feedback, um, sorry, um, Feedspot, right? Did, did I say feedback? <laughs> yeah. Based upon Feedspot's, um, their, their survey that they did, that is what they've posted. So I want to say thank you for Feedspot for featuring or for highlighting that and to include this podcast. But really, it's you, the listener, that makes it happen because that's what creates the uh, the show being seen and heard by other people. 
because you may share it and so on. So thank you so very much for that. I want you to know I'm praising you right now by doing that very, one of those people's skills idea. So my friend, I also want to say we are now come to the point where we're going to put the show back into the vault and it's we, we're going to put it back. So would you help me before we close things out, put the show back into the vault, into the vault. So here we go. Here we go. There it is. Now, having done that, I can safely exit the the command center of the Immortaligent Leadership Institute. And my friend, if you've been with me for a while, you know how we wrap things up. With that said, peace out, God bless, and I'll see you on the flip side. Yeah.